Hey, Trevor, can you hear me okay? I can, I can. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can see you. That is an impressive book collection behind you. How oh, many thank you, you estimate that, that you've read? Because uh, I'm getting well, I, answers like, oh, I haven't read any of these. No, I've read a good amount of them, but I, I will say I've, I finished very few books in my life. Um, so I, 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 I'm a, I'm a big fan of reading, starting or getting, uh, getting into a book and then about halfway through losing interest and then just kind of moving on to something else. So it's not as, it's not as impressive. I have not read, I've not finished any of those. I appreciate that honesty. <laughs> uh, leading in about your show, the Trevor Moore show, I'm a big fan of what it is that you do. And I was wondering Still, is the street going? Is Gertrude the pig the cattiest guest you've ever had? Because I think the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, Gertrude is, is full of personality. Uh, yeah, Gertrude uh, the pig, Elon Musk's uh, the pig that he's experimenting on with his uh, what is it? Hyper brain chip thingy. Yeah, I, for, I forget. He's got so many companies. I forget what that one's called. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we had James Adomian was a guest on play. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, he's it's always fun when James is on because James just kind of takes over the show and it's great. Excellent impressionist beyond that voiceover gig that he yeah. does for you every now and then. So credit goes to you for having a show that's very funny. It's very quick witted. It gets deep and dark at times, whether or not it's kind of planned <laughs> to be. I'm wondering how much of the show is written on paper and you give to the Comedy Central people versus them going do it. We know you're funny. It's so that's a, that's a good question. It's um, we have to show them the, 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 we show them everything we're going to do. Um, the conversation they don't know. Cause the, uh, a lot of times when you see that they'll be uh, yelling in my ear um, it's when the conversation has gone down an Avenue that they didn't uh, like, but the bits are all pre-approved. We do the show in an interesting way where, you know, I meet with the writers and the producers and we talk about what we want to do uh, for each episode and are kind of like, OK, then then we'll do this segment and do this segment and do this segment. But then I like intentionally want to know very little after that. Uh, like I almost want to have forgotten about what we're doing on the show. So that way I have to rely on the cards because I, I like the energy that that has where it all feels like, you know, it's kind of going off the rails. Without uh, pulling too much of the mystery away, is uh, what's on the computer screen of your co-host Sam? Is that anything to do with notes or what's going on, or is that actually not even turned on? I I have no idea. I've actually, I mean, I think it is on because there's been like one or two episodes where he's like looked up something and and said it. But I think it's just a web browser. Like it, it's it, it became a joke, sort of like you know where like what is Sam? It's redundant that we have two hosts. So it's like, well, what is Sam doing? I think there's one episode where I forgot that he was there. Like, if you if you watch the episode where um, there uh, we have a psychic on Patty Negri, and uh, she lifts the veil, and I'm asking people if they believe in ghosts, and I just ask our guest, I ask uh, Blair, and then I move on, and Sam's kind of like, wait a minute, are you going to ask me? And I like literally forgot that he was he was on the show. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know what he's looking up. Like, I think he's just like on Facebook. <laughs> Well, it's interesting to me as somebody who grew up addicted to talk shows. And of course, mm -hmm. as podcasts got better, lost a little bit of interest in talk shows. But it's awesome to see that you and Sam both have the pencil cup on the desk. <laughs> yeah. 
because why would anyone need that there? Like everything is on the printed cards there. I don't think anyone ever called out Conan or Letterman. Like, why did you need like four pencils? Yeah. Why, why do they have a desk? <laughs> like what, what is with the office motif that we're going here? Like, you know, like, it, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause like talk shows are this sort of antiquated thing now where like, I don't even think you can pitch a talk show anymore. Like they sort of like podcasts have kind of eaten their lunch. And now like every network has one, but like none of them get ratings. So it's a weird dinosaur format. That's like, but it's still, it's a fun, it's a fun format. So I don't, uh, yeah. So, but it's hard to do something new. So we're just like, well, let's just have ours feel like it's very unprepared. Even though we do prepare, we'll just have it feel like almost too loose, kind of thing. Well, to your credit, and another thing growing up as a big comedy fan that I saw is people only did sketch, they only did stand up, they only hosted. And then you, yeah. you know, come from the whitest kids you know. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. You've done albums of your own stand up and music related stuff, you have this. So you're able to go between all those platforms. And now we see people from Kids in the Hall hosting, doing stand-up. They kind of show that they can do it all. People from the state, they now do stand-up. I'm curious, when you started doing sketch in the first place, did you feel limited like that? Or am I just making up these labels? No, I don't think... Um... I didn't feel limited, but I, I don't think you're wrong in making up those labels either, because I think that's, um, but I think that was the culture of um, really sort of the baby boomers, like, and how they can, like the stand-up scene in the 70s and 80s, it was very um, linear, like you were either doing sketch or you were doing stand-up, and the stand-up comedians would eventually become the late-night hosts, yeah. um, and, and that's how it went, and then everything you know uh, that, that was when it was really just networks but then once cable got involved and you started to get things like the state like um you know kids in the hall and everything became a little more fluid um and suddenly you had people who were doing both and and now i mean if you look at uh, the late night talk show hosts that are out there now uh jimmy fallon isn't a stand-up he's sketch um, you know, uh, uh, Stephen Colbert wasn't a stand-up; he was sketch. You know, um, and uh, you know, and, and Kimmel was a radio guy. So it's kind of opened up. Where now there's not really a stand-up in late night. It's, it's kind of switched to being all sketch, which is odd. Yeah, Craig Ferguson wrote movies and sort of was a punk rock guy uh, named Bill yeah. Hitler that got into stand-up. But yeah. you can't really say he was a pure stand-up. That's a really good point. Yeah, was Corden. Corden, I think, it, uh, was was doing plays. I don't know what Corden was doing, but but like uh, musicals. <laughs> He's doing something in England. <laughs> Whatever it was for you, was the original plan to be a long-term sketch guy? Was there originally plan? That part, I I didn't want to go on Wikipedia and go. What did Trevor do? And what's coming up according to his IMDb page? I wanted to focus on the show and then see what does he tell me. Yeah. Uh, no, so as a kid, I was obsessed with uh, David Letterman uh, and Weird Al, David Letterman and Weird Al. So I always kind of wanted to do a, a kind of a late night thing. Um, and then so I did a public access show when I was a kid. And, but, and, and in the public access show, I just started doing more and more sketch. 
Um, I started out doing like desk bits, like kind of like Letterman. And then I would just start doing I, more sketch got into it. And then when I went to, and I went to LA and did stand up for a little bit. And then when I went to college, I started whitest kids and then really kind of fell in love with sketch. And then I was just like, and I still think sketch is kind of the, 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 the least limiting um, format because you can just get in. I mean, I, I think of sketches as like songs. So like, you don't want them to be more than two or three minutes. Uh, you get in, you know, you, you hit your premise, you attack the premise from as many angles as you can, you get the best jokes out of it. And then you just end it and you get out of there. Like you're not stuck, like, you know, doing a segue to another bit like you know a stand up everything has to start so it is really kind of freeing where you can just it's chaos so you can just come in hit all your jokes and get out of there and sketch also gives you the ability to go into music you know you can just do a music uh you know thing. there's i mean there's sketches that we've done which uh, that i tried out as stand up first and then it was like oh let me do this as a sketch and then a lot of uh you know my I was doing music, like a couple songs every season on the show. And then I did that before I ever started releasing music albums. So, you know, sketch is kind of the best of all worlds. You can do it all there. I have a Weird Al question or two coming as a result of that early. Oh, okay. Did you have a pencil cup on your desk when you're hosting as a kid on public access? I, I'm sure I did. Cause I, I just copied everything to a T like even like uh, mannerisms. Like I was just copying what I, I'd see it at like uh, on like Letterman or you know uh, um, or like you could guess Leno at that point. Um, uh, but like, yeah, it's just kind. Of, I'm sure I had the pencil thing. I'm sure like the tie, the um, uh, the microphone that wasn't plugged into anything. I'm sure I did. I have to go back and look, but I'm sure I did all of it. One of my projects in the midst of COVID was looking up interviews that I did when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. Maybe oh, really? 17, and they're terrible. But some of the people they should were, be. Yeah, some of the people yeah. are icons. Like some of it, hey, it's better to digitize that than let it, you know, rot into the ether because some of these people passed, like Joan Rivers and Don Rickles. Like oh, I wow. as a kid, but they're terrible. Looking back at that stuff from your kid, is it cringeworthy or is it funny? It's um, it's both. It's it's mostly cringe. Um, but then there's, there's like bits in it where I'm like, eh, that's a solid bit. That's a good bit. Like, you know, like, um, you know, like when I look back at it now, like a lot of it was like local humor. Um, you know what, 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 um, a lot of it was very offensive, you know, just as times change, like, yes. where, you know, like, uh, uh, but like what, um, what, what kind of struck me by it was, you know, what's like evergreen is prank calls just making yes. uh calling random people and just messing with them that stuff and I, and I did a good amount of that on my show um there was a regular segment that's kind of what my show became like kind of popular locally and then it got uh bought by a pax television affiliate so i i left college for a year to do i got hired to do my public access show um wow. and uh and and one of the first bits that got popular was one of these kind of prank call bits that i would do and uh and that stuff just that stuff always holds up i mean just messing with random people it's you know you can that that bits that what you did like 20 years ago will be still funny 20 years from now <laughs> So you said Letterman and Weird Al were top influences, but I'm guessing Jerky Boys number three or number four. <laughs> you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't listen to a lot of. I mean, I was aware of Jerky Boys. 
Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, that was always, there was one guy at, at my, at our church who always had the jerky boy tape. And then after church, we'd go out and hang out in his van and listen to jerky boys like that. But that, I don't think they had the impact that Letterman or uh, Weird Al did. Yeah. And then, and then speaking me, of Weird Al, well, hey, I can relate except the jerky boys are higher up. And my, really? my wife and I at our wedding, like we had the music stop at a certain point to play a, like a Frank Rizzo phone call. Actually, no, a Sal Rosenberg phone call phone call nothing halts a wedding like that but uh, oh uh. <laughs> so you mentioned weird al before being a big influence same here love what weird al does but how old were you when you realized that all the originals were stylistic parodies because i didn't realize that until like five years ago oh uh oh the originals were stylistic parodies yeah Almost um, every single one of them was a stylistic parody of a particular artist you know i don't know that i I mean, I definitely knew that some of them were, but I, I, I don't know that it's ever clicked until right now that every single one was. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, but there are, there's definitely, um, who was I just listening to? It was, uh, um, it's, I, have you ever heard of W.C. McCall? Yes. Uh, he does the song Convoy. Yeah. You know, we're gonna do the Convoy. I was listening. I've gotten really into like uh, '60s and '70s country recently, sure. um, so I've been going through and like listening to all of of that. Um, and uh, and he does. There was a regular thing that W. C. McCall would do, where and it's and it's biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. Great. Song. And I had no idea that I thought that was just kind of a, a like a brilliant thing that Weird Al did. Um, and also, and it still is brilliant. But like also. Um, Albuquerque, these songs where he just talks and Frank talks Zappa and talks. Song. Yeah, and he just, but uh, but yeah, I heard Biggest Ball of Twine. I was like, oh my God, that's W.C. McCall. That's what he was doing. He was, that's the joke he was making 40 years ago, or however many years ago it was. Um, yeah, that's the Weird Al. It's a puzzle. You keep, you keep learning more. Well, I was, I was um, from a very religious family. Um, and so I wasn't allowed to listen to much secular music. And so there was, I mean, all through my life, um, you know, I'd hear, I still hear songs that were on his polkas, you know, <laughs> yes. and then I'm like, oh, so that's, oh, okay. That's from the polka. Oh, so that's how that song really sounded. Okay. Like, you know, so that, that still happens. Yeah. When I was nine or 10, I heard the polkas on 45, which is mostly the Rolling Stones and Foreigner. Uh, I was too young yeah. to know most of those songs. And then eventually you're listening to classic rock radio and you hear hot blood and you go, Oh, that's a real song. Yeah, so, yeah. So Weird yeah. Al inspired my comedy, my music, everything. And it's interesting to me how many of the comics who came out of projects on IFC and Comedy Central these days have worked with Weird Al in some capacity. They get a cameo from him. They get him mm -hmm. to do something on it. And ha have you? No. Uh, he wrote me a letter when I was a little kid. Um and, which was very nice. And I was on, um, IFC did a, a, a special where they were, um, you know, kind of, it was like this weird thing where um, uh, they were kind of giving Weird Al a Lifetime Achievement Award for comedy music. But it was weird. It was a weird special. And they, and they would do little segments on other musical comedy people. And I got asked to be to be in a set. They wanted to do a segment on me, and I was psyched because I was like, "Oh my god, you know, I'll get to we I'll get to meet Weird Al." 
Um, and uh, but then the way they taped it, I never saw him. Like uh, he was there on like a different day, so uh, I was bummed. But no, I've never, I've never, uh, I've never met him. He seems to be one of those people. I'm editorializing here, where it's like everything that he does either pays a fortune or he does it for free because he wants to do it. Hence, why he's on all the comedy podcasts and. You know, he's in Auntie Donna's. Did you see that uh, series on Netflix? No, no. He's, he does that. He's, he's, uh, I think he's good friends with Jonah Ray, too. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy that I've never heard a single negative thing about. Exactly. You know, there's a couple of guys like that, that like, and, 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 you know, this is a town that loves to spread negative things about people like that, but not a single utterance of anything south of glowing about that guy I, so. I think trevor moore is also on that list of glowing oh i hope universal praise so, i hope so that's where your influences come from so bringing it back to you here uh is this show because obviously when you integrate zoom and all that it's a pandemic era show yeah but is this the long-term thing that you want to do hundreds of episodes of you know it's weird like i kind of don't think that way um like i'm uh so we did the first season like two two years ago then the pandemic happened we were actually supposed to shoot the second season right before the pandemic um and then um then the pandemic happened and so then we came and then at around october things were okay for a little bit so we got back in the studio and started recording some stuff and then it got real bad and so then everything had to shut down again so um you know, I, I like these uh, episodes. I'm, I'm really proud of this season. I like this season even better than the first season. Um, and uh, I'd love to do a, another season, but I'm kind of like, you know, right now uh, we're putting the finishing touches on this Whitest Kids movie um, that we're, you know, so I kind of just go from project to project. And as soon as like that's done, then I'll, I would love to go do another season. So then I'll talk to Comedy Central at that point and see if, uh, if that's, works with what they want to do at that point. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how I feel about doing hundreds and hundreds of episodes of anything. <laughs> well, I, I find that there's two schools of thoughts of like working comics. And mm -hmm. the one is like the Letterman or the Seinfeld, putting aside the hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank, putting that little detail aside. Uh, and the fact that they don't ever have to do anything again. They're both people who do one project at a time and spend years toiling away on it. And then yeah. there's the other person that's the plate spinner who has 12 things in the air, Mark Duplass style. And they're delighted to do that. You sound like the latter where you go between Widest Kids, the show, your albums. You said you have a writing partner and you're content doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like I just um, I mean, for the last seven years, I've been uh, creating shows for the Disney Channel. Um, so like I've been doing that and then and then focusing on the albums, you know, and then and the comedy specials. And like now we've I've kind of moved over to the movie um, and, you know, I like the talk show. Um, I would like to get another album in there like in the next year or so. So I'm kind of just kind of moving you know, as, as, as the flow goes, but, um, I don't know, but then, then again, somebody wants to pay me, you know, to do like, uh, a hundred episodes of it. I'll do it. Sure. That'd be fun. I mean, I love doing that show. It's, it's very fun to like, yeah. you know, s sit there with, uh, Blair, Sam, and just kind of, you know, you know, chat with 
just friends. Like I'm bringing on, like, we're just bringing on like comedians that like we're buddies with. So it's, it's, you know, you can't beat it. It's, it's one of the most fun projects to do. Well, two more questions. One's longer than the other, if that's fine by you. And sure. then man. the first question, the longer one mm-hmm. is again, as a person who just watched way too much comedy, way too many talk shows, I can compare the Trevor Moore show in an excellent way to the MTV Tom Green show and that here's the host who's funny, mm-hmm. who's leading the ruckus. Here's the co-host who's going to get tortured more cases than not. Yep. And then here's the third person who laughs a lot, who adds to the jokes, but is just always laughing. I think his name was Phil, Tom Green's other guy. And wow. Sam being the, the Phil Humplick kind of person there who you know is super talented but he's mm-hmm. there just to kind of get crapped on pure coincidence yeah t- absolutely um i i'd never thought about that before it's funny um so the executive producer for whitest kids was also the executive producer for the tom green show oh. and i was just uh chatting with him we i uh whitest kids does a twitch channel um official wkuk at twitch where we each night somebody hosts a show and then we all do a show together on the weekend. And, um, and so I was interviewing our executive producer a couple weeks ago and we started talking about Tom Green's show. And it was, it was interesting to be like, that's such an underrated show um, for, and I, and I don't think people realize how important that show was. Like it kind of gets skipped over and people kind of go straight to jackass, but it really did, and this is what we we're talking about. It really did bridge the gap between David Letterman and modern comedy, like Eric Andre and stuff like that. It really was the connective tissue that, like, you know, because of that, Jackass happened and all that. And that show is fantastic. I don't know why they, it's not like available. Um, I guess MTV always has problems with their rights because they put music under everything. Yes, the music um, beds. Which is a shame because there's like there's there's like a whole generation of 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 comedy that's pretty much lost. Uh, I got to cut you off there. Even before that, do you remember the MTV show Buzzkill? Yeah, yeah. Buzzkill was kind of I thought what bridged the gap there. And then Mm. even though two or three of the three guys all went on to do a lot of projects, none of it was under the Buzzkill name, and that's eighty times more forgotten about than the Tom Green show. Yeah, Buzzkill. That is totally. I just remember the logo, and then I remember they. I remember they would do big bits with like huge crowds running around corners and stuff like that. Uh, that yeah, yeah, that kind yeah. of happened. I think yeah. one of them parlayed into Trigger Happy TV, which is maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe that's. But no. Buzzkill was uh, the three. Of them they were like these punk rock guys in a van, and then they just show up, yeah. and camera prank people, and it was usually cruel. But I guess in the Jerky yeah. Boys era, you could be that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I totally forgot about the show. Uh, yeah, I mean, no. So, I mean, uh, yeah, that was completely coincidental. Uh, but but uh, I'm sorry, I just went off on a thing. But I, it was, I, I, I was just... I you. My bad. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I just went off on how, like, the Tom Green show was great, which it, but it is. Like, and, and, and yeah. it's, it's shocking to me that uh, I guess people... Of of the generation, remember it, but it's 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 sad to me that like younger people don't know it because that was a that was a that was a hugely important show. Definitely. Yeah. And then the next question, the last question, should be an easy one, and that's besides the Trevor Moore show, what's one show that we should be watching if we need a new show to start? And it's fine if you name something that you created. That's totally acceptable. 
Oh, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna name one of uh, one of my shows. I do Disney Channel shows. Like that's what I've been creating recently. Um, hey, Disney's cool to tens of hundreds yeah. of people. So watch just roll with it on Disney Plus. That's a, uh, Narcos. Narcos Mexico. Oh my God, that's my favorite show. Maybe my favorite show ever made. Like, but that's my my sweet spot. I just I love drug cartel stuff. Like, if there's a drug cartel in it, I'll watch it. Fiction, fact, I don't care. I'll, I, I love it. That's, that's, my, that's my genre. That reinforces the stereotype that comedians don't watch comedy. When no, I never, never watch comedy. Um, I don't like it. I don't care for it. Like, you know, like, I mean, I like making it, but I, when some, I, I haven't seen a comedy for so long, and people are like, you should watch it. It's really good. You're like, I just don't like it, you know. <laughs> That is the best answer I could have ever gotten. Trevor, I can't thank you enough for your time. Keep up all the greatness. And really, the Trevor Moore Show is one of the greatest discoveries. Unfortunately, it's a late one for me, but 2021, it's at the top of the list right now. Comedy Central's YouTube. Check it out. Thank you, man. Have a great rest of the day. We'll get this posted very soon. Thank you. Great talking to you. Outro, okay.